0: And then an example is given of his judgment, of how he made judgment. And we see that in this example, you could say a mistake of Dawud a.s. is mentioned. And when we use the word mistake, we use it with the understanding that the prophets of Allah, they were saved, they were protected from committing major sins and all indecencies. However, the Prophets of Allah, given that they were human, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed them, He let them err in some places in a very minor capacity. And why was that so? To show their human nature. And secondly, also to give them a chance to turn to Allah. Because if the Prophets of Allah were never allowed to sin, what would they know what tawbah is, what istighfar is? You understand? So remember that the Prophets of Allah were protected from major sins, from all indecencies. Alright? But at some points, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed them to make minor mistakes. Why so? To reveal their humanity. And secondly, to give them an opportunity also to turn to Allah because tawbah, istighfar, it brings such pleasure that nothing else can bring. This is a part of ubudiyya. This is a part of servitude. To turn to Allah, begging His forgiveness, because it really shows how much we need Allah. That we cannot do without having Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala happy with us. And for that we need to seek His forgiveness. Alright? And remember, each time a Prophet of Allah made even the slightest error, he was corrected. Like we see in the sunnah, the Prophet ﷺ, when he made honey unlawful for himself for a certain reason, he was corrected immediately. Right? تُحَرِّمُ مَا أَحَلَّ الله لك. Likewise, when the Prophet ﷺ accepted the false excuses of the hypocrites at the time of the Battle of Tabuk, the expedition to Tabuk, and he allowed them to stay behind, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala advised him, Afallahu Lima May Allah pardon you, Allah has pardoned you. Why did you give them permission to stay behind? Meaning you should not have. So, over here we see a mistake, a very minor mistake of Dawud ﷺ is mentioned over here. And why so? show again the humanity of Dawood What a perfect human being he was. In what way? That when he made a mistake, he turned to Allah. This teaches us two things. First of all, that all perfection is with who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A human being is a human being. A creation is a creation. No matter what status a human being attains, he will remain a human being. Which means that he will make a mistake. He will not be perfect. Divinity is only for who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, in this is a lesson for us. That if we make mistakes, then what should we do? We need to follow the example of the prophets. And you see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed the prophets to make these mistakes. Because when you make mistakes, it keeps you grounded. It keeps you humble. Because it's very easy to slip, to start feeling arrogant, to become overconfident. It's very easy. We all know that. We've all experienced it. So when we make a mistake, even if it's very slight, it helps us stay humble. So, وَهَلْ al khasmi is al mihrab. Has the news of the adversaries come to you? Meaning, have you heard, O Prophet about this incident, where adversaries, disputants, they came to, to Dawud but they didn't come in a normal appropriate way they climbed over the wall of the prayer chamber Is when they entered upon Dawud what happened he was alarmed by them because he was not expecting them and they came at a time when he was busy in the worship of Allah, and they came in a way that was not appropriate either. So naturally he was alarmed. لَا They said, do not fear. Now these disputants, some have said that this was; these were actually angels that came in the form of human beings. And this was just a test for Dawood But the reason why we cannot say that confidently is because there is no ayah of the Qur'an or no hadith that tells us that these were angels. Alright? These versions or these details, they come from Isra'iliyat. What are Isra'iliyat? The traditions that have been taken from the Jews and the Christians. And we have been allowed to refer to them, but we cannot affirm them. Correct? And the thing is that if these were angels, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have mentioned that. The Prophet would have clarified that. So, is دَخَلُوا Dawooda قَالُوا لَا تخف خصماني بغى بَعْضُنَا عَلَى بَعْضٍ They said we are just two adversaries. You know, one of us is in the wrong. One of us has oppressed the other. فَحْكُمْ بَيْنَنَا بِالْحَقِّ وَلَا واهدنا إِلَى سَوَاءِ الصِّرَاطِ Judge between us with truth. And do not exceed, meaning do not be unfair. Wahdina ila sawa'il sirat, and guide us to the middle path, meaning the best path, the best way. Because sawa' is middle, right? That which is in the middle. Because remember, sawa' also means equal. So, equal is that which is from the middle, meaning when something is divided into two from the middle, then two parts are equal. Alright? So, Wahdina ila sirat, meaning guide us to the best course of action. What should we do? Now, what happened? Inna So one of them is speaking, and it seems like he's the plaintiff, the claimant. He is speaking that inna hada this brother of mine, lahu He has ninety-nine sheep. Now, sheep are sheep. According to some Israeli traditions, this is referring to 99 wives of Dawud. Again, there is no basis of this. So we adhere to the words of the Qur'an, because the Qur'an is in the most eloquent speech. So this is what we refer to. So إِنَّ هَذَا أَخِي لَهُ تِسْعُونَ وَتِسْعُونَ نَعْجَةَ This brother of mine, he has 99 sheep. Notice something over here. He's calling him His brother. Even though both are coming to Dawud with a dispute. The plaintiff is referring to the defendant as who? His brother. That despite the dispute, the brotherhood through religion is still there. And it's so important to remember that. That we might disagree with someone, we might have a major dispute with someone... But we cannot forget the fact that there's still some relationship between the two of us. And that relationship is through the deen. So he has 99 sheep, waliya naajatun wahida, And I have one female sheep. He has 99 female sheep. I have one female sheep. فَقَالَ akfinniha, And he, who, the owner of the 99 sheep, is saying that give me it. Give me it. What is it referring to? The one sheep. Of his brother. وَأَزَّلِ فِي الْخِطَابِ And he has overpowered me in speech. Meaning, he has convinced me in argument. Who has convinced who in argument? The owner of the 99 sheep has convinced the owner of the one sheep in argument. In what way? He convinced him that it's good for you if you hand over your one sheep to me. Now, what happened? Dawood a.s. without listening to the other side, he gave a hasty judgment, and he said, قَالَ لَقَدْ ظَلَمَكَ بِسُؤَالِ نَعْجَتِكَ إِلَى نِعَاجِهِ Certainly, he has wronged you in demanding your sheep, your one sheep, نَعْجَتِكَ إِلَى نِعَاجِهِ to his نِعَاج. نِعَاج is the plural of نَعْجَة. He already has 99 sheep. So he has no right to make this demand that you should hand over your one sheep to him. And then Dawood a.s. he commented that وَإِنَّ كَثِيرًا مِّنَ الْخُلَطَاءِ Indeed the majority of associates, what do they do? لَيَبْغِي بَعْضُهُمْ عَلَى بَعْضٍ Some of them oppress others. Meaning majority of associates Wrong each other. Oppress each other. They are unfair to each other. They overstep the bounds. They take from the other what they do not deserve. are Khulata? Khulata is a plural of Khalit. And who Khalit? One whose affair is mixed with the affair of another. Like for example, a business is shared. One person, he invested 50%. The other person invested the other 50%. So now this business is shared When the business is shared Nobody is going to say That this is my table Or no this is my chair Based on my 50% This is my right This is my right No you don't go into such details All you know is that 50% is one person's And the other 50% is the other person's. And when the affairs are mixed up It is very You could say easy To take more than what you deserve Because this is what baghi is to take more than what you deserve, to take from the share of the other. This statement of Dawud, is this true? Of course it is true. Many times, majority of the time, it is very common, na kathiran, It's very common to oppress those who share something with you. When is it that we share something with somebody? Do we share the road when we're driving? Huh? Is it easy to oppress others when driving? How? Other drivers? Yes, it's very easy. It happens so, so frequently. Didn't give the indicator, instantly cut the other off. Right? Came too close to him, oversped, did something, you know, braked too hard, too late, too soon. Whatever it was. It's very easy, it's very common to oppress those with whom we share something. How about when we are sharing some work, some responsibility? Does it ever happen that you've been assigned a group project? Hmm? A group project. And then what happens? One person has to do majority of the work or two people out of the five have to do majority of the work. And where are the other three? Somewhere else. It's very common because it's very easy. Because each person is just concerned about his benefit. Each person becomes selfish about his or her benefit and he forgets the others. So it's very common. But an exception is made. And what is that exception? إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ Except for those who believe and do righteous deeds. Iman and عَمَل Salih prevent a person Protect a person from committing zulm upon those that a person is directly dealing with. How so? Because Iman makes a person conscious of Allah, makes a person conscious of the hereafter, which will inevitably stop a person from oppressing others. Secondly, amal salih, righteous deeds, makes you focus on giving others and not just taking. You understand the difference? One is that we enter a transaction, a business, a work, anything, any work that we're doing with somebody, we enter that with this mindset of, I want to give, I want to help, I want to create ease for others. And the other attitude is, what can I get out of here? Alright? Amal Salih is about giving, not about demanding. So when a person is focused on giving, will he be protected from oppressing others? Will he be? Yes, he will be. Now think of some practical situations where when we're sharing something with someone, we end up wronging them. And how is it that we can stop ourselves from that? Think of some practical situations. Okay, before this. Think of, Those matters in which we share some of our affairs with others. Like for example, I gave you uh, sharing a group project or sharing the road. What else do we share? Okay, family, house, house chores. House chores. So one sibling is loading the dishwasher one day, so you're like, oh, they'll do it again at night, right? It's okay if I leave the dishes on the table Because somebody else is going to come and Put them in the dishwasher Why should I bother Putting the dishes in the sink Somebody else will come and do it Is that fair? It's not fair عَمَالْ Salih Is about Thinking How can I help others? How can I make this easier for someone else? Not about Somebody else should come and make things easy for me Okay What else? So house chores Any other example? Where we share our matters with others Yes. Okay, sharing your room with a sibling Or sharing part of the house with someone else Like for example Renting a room in a house Or sometimes people live in boarding Uh, Together as a group of friends They are renting a house or an apartment The refrigerator is being shared The stove is being shared The bathroom, the bathtub is being shared So many things are being shared Internet is being shared. So where does the oppression happen? How does it happen? Like for example, the Internet is being shared. So one person has the account on their name. Everybody is supposed to pitch in in order to pay for it, but nobody does except for that person. Right? Any other example in this situation? Invasion of privacy. Or for instance, some people, every time they use a bathroom, they leave it wet. They don't bother drawing... The counter. You know, these are little, little things. But we really need to pay attention. Because it's these small actions that hurt others, that annoy others. And if we are a constant cause of adha for someone else, is that good? It's not. If we can oppress others in these small matters, then we can also oppress them in bigger matters. How about never helping with the cleanup? This is also a problem. Any other example? Using the internet. Constantly using the internet or downloading a lot of stuff so that you run out of data or something and others are suffering because we overused it. Any other example? Because majority of the people are a victim of this. Sometimes money is shared hmm, between spouses. Sometimes, you know, accounts are being shared. Sometimes cars are shared. Sometimes secrets are shared. Sometimes passwords are shared for whatever. And when they're shared, they're done with this understanding that you keep this private to yourself. Don't go on telling the whole world about the internet password, for instance. Don't go on taking too much money from this account. It's interesting how You know in some places the Wi-Fi password Like for example at Al-Huda It had to be changed like almost every other day or something Because so quickly the news would spread This is the password, this is the password Now Alhamdulillah the system is such that Even if you know the password and you connect to the Wi-Fi You cannot really use it unless you're authorized Which has added one more step to the system which is a little burdensome for the people who are managing the system. But this is just an example of how easy it is to infringe on the rights of the others because we are selfishly pursuing our own comfort. And we are not concerned about the welfare of other people. So this is a very fair statement and a statement that deserves a lot of reflection and the exception that's made over here is, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ And look at the detail, وَقَلِيلٌ مَّا <مَّهُم> And how very few are they. Who? Firstly, those who believe and do righteous deeds, and then from among them also, those who do not oppress others. The ﷺ understood from this incident what he had to understand. And what was that? وَظَنَّ fatannahu. Dawood salam knew he was certain that we had tested him. This was a test. This was not an accident. These people climbing over his wall, coming in and asking him the question and him giving a judgment over here in such a hasty manner. He knew that this was all a test. And he realized his shortcoming over here, رَبَّهُ and immediately he sought forgiveness from his Lord, wa kharrarakiyan wa anaba. And he fell down as raqir, meaning as one who was doing rukur, meaning one who prayed to Allah, and he turned in repentance, anaba. Anaba from the root letters nun, waw, ba. All right, and inaba is to return again and again. مرة مرة. Meaning again, time after time. So if you think about it, Dawud was just busy in ibadah. Isn't it? This incident happened, and again he turned to Allah. What do we think? The fact that I prayed the Hajjud last Ramadan? It's okay. We don't feel the need to turn back to Allah again and again. What do we see? The example of the prophets is that they repeatedly turned back to Allah. Even if they just finished their salah, again they performed. Like for example, the Prophet ﷺ sometimes after performing his witr, and witr is what the last prayer of the night, isn't it? So sometimes after witr. Sitting down, he would perform two rakah. Sometimes. Not always, sometimes. okay. Why sitting down? Of course, he would be tired by then. He would perform two rakah. You would wonder, he just finished praying tahajjud. Why again two rakah? Because once a person gets the laddha of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the comfort that a person finds in turning to Allah, the shelter that a person finds with Allah, It's something that you don't want to keep away from. You really don't want to be away from. So we see Dawud a.s. also, he turned to Allah seeking his forgiveness. This incident was a test for Dawud a.s. It was the fact that he gave a hasty judgment, or he heard the story of one side and not the other. And the fact that he should have been more available to the people, such that they wouldn't find the need to climb over the wall to access him. So Dawud عليه السلام, he learned from this incident whatever he had to learn. And what was that? Allahu A'lam what exactly it was. Allah knows best. But what we learned for sure is that he understood and he took that as an opportunity to turn to Allah, seek His forgiveness. And Allah says, فَغَفَرْنَا لَهُ ذَلِكَ We forgave him for that. So when he's been forgiven for this, we don't need to dwell upon what exactly that mistake was and how it was and why it was. No, it was a mistake, he was a human being and Allah pardoned him for that. لَهُ عِنْدَنَا وَحُسْنَ مَآبٍ And indeed, surely he has with us, surely nearness to us and a good place of return. What does this indicate? that Dawud status was now even higher than it was previously. His status increased in the sight of Allah after this incident. It's amazing. A mistake, and that brought him closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, it is our mistakes that bring us closer to Allah. Because when we slip and we see our deficiencies and we realize the perfection of Allah, and we realize that there is no way except turning to Allah, then this is an opportunity for growth. This is an opportunity to turn to Allah even more. And this is what brings a servant closer to Allah. So this ayah indicates that Dawud his status increased even more because of this incident in this world. And of course in the hereafter, he will have an excellent place of return. We see that the prophets of Allah, they fell in prostration at what times? Out of gratitude and also upon realization of mistake. When they realized a mistake had happened, what did they do? They turned to Allah seeking His forgiveness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Yadawoodu. Now with additional favour, additional responsibility, and additional guidance. Ya Dawood, O Dawood, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala addressed him. Inna fil ard. Indeed, we have made you, we have placed you as a Khalifa in the earth. Your role is that you are a Khalifa. Who is Khalifa? Khalifa is one who comes after the other. One who comes in succession. Someone who has been given a responsibility, a role to perform. They came after someone and somebody else is going to come after them. Every time you think of the word khalifa, bring to mind two things. Firstly, the fact that Adam salam was a khalifa. And what was the meaning over there? That Adam salam, human beings, his children will come generation after generation. Secondly, always bring to mind the Khulafa, Khulafa al-Rashidin, alright? Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was the Khalifa of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa After Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was Umar radiallahu anhu was also the Khalifa. After Umar radiallahu anhu was Uthman radiallahu anhu. So we see Khalifa is who? Someone with a responsibility. And someone who has come after someone and will be replaced by another. So, we have made you khalifa on the earth. This does not mean that Dawud was Allah's khalifa in the sense that Allah is not able to manage the affairs himself, so he has appointed a prophet. No, this is a very wrong interpretation because Allah is al-Awwal wal Akhir. He doesn't need a khalifa. What this means is that you have been sent to this world, You, your role upon this world is that you are khalifa in delivering Allah's messages, in delivering Allah's law, in making judgment between people concerning their affairs. And why the word khalifa? Because he was a prophet. Before whom were prophets and after whom will be other prophets. Before Dawud السلام, were there any prophets? Many. After Dawud a.s., were there any prophets? Of course many. And each prophet did he have a role to perform? Of course he did. And mainly what was it? Amr Bil Ma'Ruf and anil Munkar. So the is being made aware of his responsibility that you are a prophet, you are a king, you are a khalifa. You are to judge between people. You are their leader, managing their worldly affairs also. Because that is who a king is. Like Umar رضي anhu, he was a khalifa. And being a khalifa, being a king or a ruler, doesn't just mean that you enjoy your life in the palace and you do whatever you want. No, it means you are working for the people, you are helping the people. You know about Umar رضي anhu, we learn an incident where when somebody was looking for him, they couldn't find him. And finally they found him in one of the a place, a yard or something where there were so many camels and he was treating them. Because these camels were diseased with some kind of skin ailment where they get very itchy. And the only way of fixing that, of curing that, is to put hot tar. Because you kind of have to stop the itching. Because if you don't stop it, it's going to spread. And it doesn't just stay limited to the camel, that particular camel, it spreads within camels, it's contagious. So anyway, this was something that an ordinary person even wouldn't do. Because hot tar, I mean, first of all it smells, secondly it's very hot, and then you're so close to a camel that is suffering from a skin disease, it could even harm you. (inaudible) Umar رضي Anhu was doing it himself. Himself, even though those camels were not his personal camels, they belonged to the ummah. He was doing it himself. Because as a leader, that is what has to be done. So, Khalifa fil Ard, Dawood is being made aware of his role, of his responsibility, that your job is to be a successor upon the earth, we have given you honor with this responsibility. فَحْكُمْ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ بِالْحَقِّ Fahkum So judge بين nas between people, how? بِالْحَقِّ With the truth. وَلَا And do not. تَتَّبِعِ Hawa Do not follow the desire. Meaning when you are passing judgment between people, Judge by the truth. What is the truth? What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. And the truth, that becomes clear to you based on that, pass your judgment. Do not pass it based on your desires. Was it really expected that Dawud would judge by his desires and not the truth? No. This can never be expected from a Prophet of Allah. A Prophet of Allah would never follow his desires when judging between people. He would always adhere to the truth. Why is this mentioned? To show us the importance of refraining from following our desires when we're dealing with people. Because if you think about it, following our desires when we are dealing only with ourselves, is it dangerous to follow our desires over there? For instance you're eating something. You cooked the food, you prepared the food, nobody else is going to eat from it. It's only for you. So you follow your desire in just eating, eating, and eating, and eating. Is this going to harm you? Is it going to harm you? Of course it's going to harm you. You're sleeping. You don't have an appointment, you don't have any work, nobody's waiting for you to get up and do something. You're just sleeping away. Is this going to harm you? It is going to harm us. So, when we follow our desires, this is something that harms us. Think about it. If we follow our desires when dealing with people, it's going to harm them and it's also going to harm us. So Dawud ﷺ is reminded over here, and this only shows us the importance of refraining from following our desires, that لا تتبع الهوى. Why? Because if you do that, what's going to happen? فَيُضِلَّكَ So it will misguide you it will take you away, it will lead you astray, and sabilillah, from the way of Allah. Because when we follow our desires, then, you know, especially when judging between people, then this is something that makes a person biased and unfair in judgment. So, فَيُضِلَّكَ عَن sabilillah. Indeed, those people who yabi'luna an sab'ilillah they go astray from the path of Allah. Lahum a'dabun shadid for them is a painful punishment. Why? Bima because of the fact that they nasu they forgot. What did they forget? Yom al hisab the day of account. So, what do we learn from this? Following desires leads a person. Away from the path of Allah, which will lead to painful punishment. Why? Because a person forgot the day of judgment. So this means that a person would only follow the desires when he has forgotten the day of judgment. So we see in this ayah, after the test came a blessing. And what was that blessing? A great position of honor. With responsibility alayhi salam is made aware Of what that responsibility is What he has to be careful about And a warning that's given over here That's beneficial for all of us Is that when a person pursues his desires Then he forgets the akhirah, And then he ends up doing wrong Which leads to painful punishment in the hereafter And with regards to judgment Making judgment Again, it's very clear that one should be very careful when passing judgment between people. He should decide by haq and not let his desires come in the way. You see, a judge, Islamically speaking, a judge cannot give judgment if he's angry, if he's hungry, or he's tired. And there are so many other conditions also. Because if you're hungry, you can't be fair. You, You cannot think rationally. If you're tired, you're angry from something that happened before, you cannot be fair. You cannot think rationally. So you're bound to make an error. In Surah Al-Ma'idah, ayah 49, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَنِحْكُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ وَلَا تَتَّبِعْ أَهُوَاءَهُمْ Do not follow their desires. The Prophet ﷺ is told. So a judge is not to follow his own desires or the desires of other people. Rather he is to follow the law, the truth when making judgment. In Surah Al-Nisa, 105, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ بِالْحَقِّ لِتَحْكُمَ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ بِمَا أَرَاكَ اللَّ in Surah Al-Ma'idah, ayah number eight, Ya ayyuha amanu, kunu qawwameena lillahi shuhada'a bil qist. With justice, wa la yajri mannakum shana'anu qawmin, ala allah ta'adilu. Don't let the enmity of a people prevent you from being fair. Be fair, because that is closer to taqwa. In Surah Al-Ma'idah, ayah 42, وَإِن حَكَمْتَ فحكم بينهم بالقسط. If you pass judgment between people, then do so with justice. So we see, the Prophet ﷺ was advised in the Qur'an numerous times to be fair in his judgment. Dawud ﷺ was also advised. And if somebody advises us, be fair, we get offended. We get so offended so easily. And forget about being a big judge, even something as small as You know, within the household, within our friends, within our siblings. If somebody advises us to be fair, we get offended over there. No need to get offended. If somebody is advising us to be fair, be happy. Alhamdulillah, somebody woke you up. Somebody opened your eyes. The Prophet ﷺ said, judges are of three types. One will go to paradise and two will go to hell. One type of judge will only make it to paradise and the other two types will go to hell. The one who will go to paradise is a man who knows what is right and gives judgment accordingly. He knows what is right. He knows the law. He knows the truth. He does his research. He investigates. And then he passes judgment accordingly. But a man who knows what is right... He knows the truth. But still he acts with injustice in his judgment, will go to hell. So that's the second type of judge. He knows the truth, he knows what the law is, but still he is unfair in his judgment. He is following his desire. Such a person will end up in hell. And the third, a man who gives judgment for people when he is ignorant. He will also go to hell. So, the third type of judge is who? Who doesn't have ilm. Neither of the law nor of the situation. He doesn't do the research, the investigation, and he makes a judgment. Such a person is harming himself. In another hadith, we learned the Prophet ﷺ said, If a judge passes a judgment having exerted himself to arrive at what is correct, and he is indeed correct, then he will have double reward. Why double reward? One for exerting his effort, and the other for being correct in his judgment. And if he passes judgment, having exerted himself to arrive at what is correct, but it was incorrect, then he will have one reward. So what do we learn over here? That a person must do his best in investigating the matter, in learning about the law, in doing the research, and then come to a conclusion. One thing for sure is never be hasty. Because if we're being hasty, that means we're not doing the right amount of research, that means we're not really giving it enough thought, that means we're not doing our part of the investigation. So don't be hasty. Alright, let's listen to the recitation of the verses.
1: وهل اتاك نبا الخصم اذ تسوروا المحراب اذ دخلوا على داود ففزع منهم قالوا لا تخف فَإِنْ مَنَازَعَ بَعْضُنَا عَلَى بَعْضٍ فاحْكُم بَيْنَنَا بِالْحَقِّ وَلَا وَاهْدِنَا إِلَى سَوَاءِ إنها هَذَا اخي له 90 و نعجه ولي نعجه واحده فقال اكفنيها فقال اكفنيها وعزني في الخطا قال لقد ظلمك بسؤال نعجتك الى نِعَاجِهِ وَظَنَّ دَاوُودُ أَنَّمَا فَتَنَّاهُ فَاسْتَغْفَرَ رَبَّهُ وَخَرَّ رَاكِعًا وَأَنَابٍ فَغَفَرْنَا لَهُ ذَلِكَ وَإِنَّ لَهُ عِنْدَنَا لَزُلْفَى who يا داود إننا جعلناك خليفة في الأرض فحكم بين الناس بالحق ولا تتبع الهوى ولا تتبع الهوى فيضل لك عن سبيل الله. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَضِلُّونَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ شَدِيدٌ
0: بِمَا نَسُوا يَوْمَ الْحِسَابِ